Hello, everyone. This is C. Diesel, Lelouchry, and King of the Comics. And you're listening to the Then and Now podcast. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is y'all, y'all can't see, y'all can't see his ass of our face. There's, there's like old faces, and then there's like Charlie faces. He's like all up in that mic, just with his beard whispering. It's, 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 it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm yeah. a grown man, and it's still a lot. That is that true. Was, that was definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, this is definitely the return of ASMR Diesel. He, he's he's back like he never left. Um, we are going to be discussing some interesting topics coming up here. Uh, tropes are going to be a kind of a running series we're going to continue to work on for a little bit here, uh, starting with that of heroes and the hero trope. Uh, residential professional writer and just all around knowledge, elder guru, old man, king of the comics. Will you kind of give us your definition? So many adjectives and pronouns there. (laughs) I don't know if any of them are flattering, but uh, (laughs) at least some of them are accurate, though. I'll I'll take accurate. I'll take accurate or flattering every day, I guess. Uh, I am an old man. So uh, basically, when it comes to tropes, for the most part, tropes are consistent, like thematics, I guess consistent themes or ideas that writers or storytellers use when it comes to dabbling in uh, the expectations of a genre. So, for example, a common trope in a uh, in a fight scene <laughs> is for the hero to win. A cliche, a cliche in a fight scene is for the hero to win using the power of friendship. One thing that people, I don't want them to be used interchangeably. I do think that tropes are, are, are fine. You can use tropes; they are they're tried and true. I do think that cliches are a problem. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, so what is it? Just slight tangent. If if the power of friendship is a cliche, mm-hmm. what is the power of family? Oof. Uh, Hell. That's what it is. It's a, I mean, Hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what's funny about that, though, there are even within that. Well, one thing we have to acknowledge, too, is the originators, originators of ideas, it's hard to penalize them for using... Or if they established something way back when, and it's, and it's one of the earliest times they've ever been used, it's hard to penalize them for that and say, oh, it's so cliche. Uh, right. One of the examples I go to is, when, and I, I know we all love Yu Hakusho, it's perfectly fine, but in Yu Hakusho, there's a fight where Yusuke uh, is down and out against, uh, I can't remember the girl. Is it Tagoro the first time against fighting Tagoro? It's, it's, it's the time he's fighting one of the. No, it's not, no, no, it's not Tagoro. It's not Tagoro. But he's fighting somebody, and the guy has him pretty much dead, dead to rights. And then. He has to like he's he's while while Yusuke is using is thinking about all his friends and in uh, uh Kiko what's what's his girlfriend's name uh, Keiko 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 uh, he kind of like gets an extra extra urge of power he's able to kind of beat the guy using like, I think it's a spirit oh yeah well, so he using yeah he started using his soul energy instead of his spirit energy his soul when he energy about Keiko uh, that was in the the against the four saint beasts I can't remember the. That's what, yeah, yeah. It was a guy who made multiple beasts of himself, copies mm-hmm. of himself. Yeah, yeah. That that was the idea. So it, the thing was, it's kind of what you you would say. Well, that's traditionally that's power of friendship. However, again, when the original uh, manga Ken wrote this was like in the what, early '90s or like in the late '80s or something like that, and then the anime came out in the mid '90s, showing that. And so it was like, oh, that's the power of friendship. But again, at the time when it was written, it hadn't been done that much. And also, like you said, there was a, there was a variation to it. It's 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 soul energy as opposed to the regular energy. So it's, mm-hmm. if you look at it now, if you go back and watch it now, it's like, oh, it's the power of friendship. But it's like, yeah, you, you had to put it in context, too. So so for regarding tropes, could you guys give the audience just a couple examples of tropes in like popular media that they may have seen, whether it be movies, shows, 
anime, et cetera. You know I mean? Uh, I can go to the list of tropes that I got, but I mean, of course you got the, the typical yeah, hero, anti-hero. Um, uh, we've got the... Hold on, where, where's my list? I should have been... Well, maybe maybe we made it specifically because we're on the, the topic of like hero tropes. Can you give like a specific like hero trope possibly? Rather than be, I'm assuming like MCU would be like a good place to start with that, right? I mean, yeah. Any any action movie is going to have a their own variation of the hero trope. Um, mm. It's essentially the the protagonist that is you know typically morally you know stout. Like he's he's uh, it's Captain America. He's Scott Summers. He is Carol is Scott Danvers. Summers morally doubt though. Uh, he, Scott, Scott Summers was definitely a Boy Scout uh, early on. He he became more of a everything else uh, in later runs of his uh, uh, of his history. But like you know mm-hmm. the, the primary you know he's boy in blue. Like he's the perfect soldier. He he's going to make the the right call. You know he he's that that type of person. And you see those typically like all through eighties action movies. 90s action movies and it's kind of getting re- redefined and tweaked now but it, it's still overall the same trope so that, that trope in and of itself i mean to cut you off oh that trope in and of itself has a name most tropes have a still kind of a name of some kind mm-hmm. so that trope is known as a, the golden boy so to speak um scott summers was xavier's golden boy now again we're going back to like earlier <laughs> chris claremont chris claremont like era uh, Scott Summers way before way before we're kind of you know yeah, modern yeah uh, yeah uh, genocidal <laughs> but uh but yeah this that they, I know what you're talking about oh yeah the golden boy type of uh, protagonist that is kind of the morally righteous guy that's doing the right thing uh lawful good so to speak or, or, or worse lawful neutral yeah yeah so at what point do you like teeter like do you cross that line from going hero to anti-hero is it more of a altruism thing where you're just doing everything for the sake of the like the betterment of other people, or can you be a little bit selfish and still be considered a hero in this trope? Well, I mean, the the divide between a hero and an anti-hero isn't necessarily based off of like their selfishness. It's more so based off of where their morality aligns and what they're willing to do to accomplish what they want. So, like, you know, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Punisher, of course, obviously is uh, one of the quintessential anti-heroes. He's trying to do good, but he's doing a bad thing to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Or you have Daredevil is you no, know, he's your, he's your hero. He's he's going to try to try, uh, try to stop uh, crimes from happening, but he's going to protect everyone in the process. He's going to make sure that you know people do get their due process and and you know go through the 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 the, the legal system. Um, and you know, like, like that's the, I guess that's where the divide is. And that's why you see so many great stories are formed between that. Because like, I mean, again, that's, that's uh, Daredevil Punisher. You see, uh, pretty often Scott Summers and, uh, Wolverine. You saw that clash happen pretty often, uh, in early X-Men stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a, it's a repeated thing. So that actually is a good question. So, so people just kind of too, going outside of the normal construct of the societal rules to accomplish their task, essentially. Because I think the yeah. rules like change. Like if murder is okay in this world, then technically they're not really an anti-hero because they're not really breaking the rules um, mm-hmm. or like going outside of what is socially acceptable to get what they need to get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess the thing is too. It's it depends on like you're saying if murder is okay in this world, then it's okay to do that. Like I guess if you're saying these are these are, are soldiers, they're in a battlefield. Of course, everyone's killing anybody else. That's kind of that's part of the trope. That's part mm-hmm. of the norm. 
But if you're trying to say, like, I mean, since the quote unquote hero code that was in the comics back in the, was it the 50s, they made that officially. Like, I mean, pretty much any hero by definition could not kill. Even Batman, you probably started out with a gun, he, he couldn't, he could no longer kill. Uh, it became very much unorthodox. So that's when the Punisher came out. And the Punisher came out in the 70s and he had guns blazing, killing folks left and right. Even though he was killing bad guys, he was still killing. And that, by definition, made him an anti-hero. He was no longer falling into the typical trope or using the typical methodology of as heroes. Daredevil very much does everything he possibly can to his detriment not to kill, even if it, definitely, even if it harms himself over and over again. Spider-Man the same way. Uh, Batman traditionally will say the same villains over and over again, even though they go about killing people over and over again themselves when they get released. So yeah, that's a good, that's a perfect example right there of an anti-hero is someone like the Punisher who goes, who does very unorthodox means uh, to, who does essentially what heroes do, but he does it in a very, very unorthodox method. I will stop the crime, but I'll do it by killing the criminals. So I think that's this is a little bit maybe possibly a reach here, but when you're looking at something way, way back in regards to like the original Cap and the war propaganda that he was a part of, he was at war in World War II. And maybe again, uh, Ethan, this is your prime heyday, so maybe you can tell me better than anybody else. <laughs> um, <and then laughs> in those comics where it was Cap committing murder, because he was at war, and I'd assume that back in those days they would like depict him killing Nazis or like defeat, like I don't, I don't, because I know in certain instances he was using a, like a gun at some points. Yeah. Like even in the, uh, the, his first movie, he used a pistol at one point in the film and was killing Nazis, but he's still one of the prototypical versions that you would use to define what what a hero is in the modern MCU and back then. Yeah. So where where does that like? Because again, like that was to my point as far as it being like socially acceptable. Is there something that obviously obviously there's something that changed with like the rising of Spider Man and Batman being really, really prevalent and having that similar trope of like being hyper focused on not killing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to figure out like at what point. And when that happened and like why why then it was acceptable versus now you can't really be that hero or like you you get put into the category of an anti-hero if you commit murder sure i mean obviously when the so the i'm 99 sure that when cap first came out because you think he's war propaganda he mm-hmm. actually was he predated the Hayes code and the hero code and all kind of stuff in the comic books so he was he did have a pistol he did kill that happened um mm-hmm. yeah very much so and as far as like when it became like the line that you couldn't cross to do those type of things, it was mainly because of parents and pushback and also Hayes himself saying mm-hmm. that this was causing doing more harm than good to children because children were primarily were the primary readers of comics, obviously when they first came out and they mm-hmm. saw that if you were saying that these are the good guys and the good guys are killing, then you're saying killing is a good thing. Therefore uh, we need to stop this because you're telling kids to kill to get the job done or telling them that violence is the answer for these type of situations and so forth and mm. so on. So I would say it's, it was because of the pushback primarily from the, the, the uh, loud minority that may have thought that the compost are harmful to kids that made it happen. The same reason we have, and it was a slight tangent, but the same reason we have ratings on video games. It was because mm. of the uh, vocal minority that but video games are harmful to kids that kind of made these things happen with, comic books and, and, and in turn made it happen with what we consider quote-unquote uh, heroes in a long way to in another way too it's the same thing with the shonen protagonists where they just say let's make the shonen protagonists themselves teenagers think about how many uh manga where the the actual protagonists that do all kinds of insane old crazy things world saving or world ending things are literally teenagers in high school it's a vast mm-hmm. vast majority of it we all love ourselves some uh jujutsu kaisen jjk 
keep in mind the leads are all in in school still mm-hmm. doing these type of things. So it's a that's a big trope as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big part of that too is especially with, when it comes to the hero trope. Um, and we we talked about this briefly in a discussion we had on what we define as a hero. Um, and I know for me, a big part of that was like being something that you can look up to, um, especially when it comes to shonen anime with the characters like Naruto or Goku, where they're defying the odds through effort and pure intentions and friendship and things of that nature. Um, I felt like a lot of like the reason why we have so many children um, as main characters is one, obviously, like you said, that initially manga and comics were probably like marketed towards kids to start with. But I think even as time has gone on and when we things like like JJK have gotten significantly darker and you're still involving these high school age kids. Part of it to me is having to do with like, we see ourselves in these characters um, a lot more. Like we or either have the nostalgia reflecting back to that age or that, that at least be my thought process on why, like even to this day consistently and shown like shonen and even dark, dark shonen high school age or even younger kids are still like the, one of the main focal points of these series. Well, I mean, when it comes to shonen specifically, like it, like every shonen is about teenagers. Like if it's not about teenagers or about that high school to like eighth grade range, it's not a shonen. That's a that's a signing or mm-hmm. a, uh, the uh, edgy or uh, many other category of uh, anime. But I mean, shonen is always going to be around teenagers, young adults, like you know, trying to overcome some type of greater evil. You know, through through means of like you said, like training, uh, power, friendship, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, like I mean, it's not like the like it, it's not like uh, they're choosing to do that. If if they don't do that, it no longer qualifies into the genre. Which means it's like when it comes to promotion for anime and, and at least on the Japanese end, it's not going to get the, as much footing behind it which is why a lot of the people try to target that shonen area because that's where the most uh, support is and where the most attention is. The way I saw it, because I mean, when I was doing the Blur Jeopardy a while back and I was doing the research on it with like the seinen and the other genres, the way I understood it was it's not the makeup of what the genre is, but who it's marketed towards, like to your point. Um, and I, it's probably more to do with your point as far as like it's similarly to kids toys nowadays, like you want it to fit into this age range because these are going to be the main consumers of this thing. Like it's going to be kids. So let's market this towards children. I wasn't sure of how much of like the actual structural makeup of a shonen is kids in this is why I was kind of questioning that. Cause I'm like, cause sometimes you'll have series where like the kid will grow up and that kid will be an adult. And I would like, well, technically like Nars is a bad example. This Boruto is the main character at some point, but there are other anime that were like, you He's focus on the, yeah, you like Dragon Ball's the main example. Yeah, yeah, he's the main protagonist, and he started off as a child. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. That's just me, I guess, getting off track there. But because well, I think the, the the word I'm paraphrasing, but I believe the word shonen in and of itself literally translates to like teenage boy, basically. Mm-hmm. Literally, okay. yeah, it's it's kind of that idea. I mean, also now one thing too is we have to. <laughs> I know there isn't really a big three now, but there is a dark trio. They call it a dark trio. The dark trio, mm-hmm. technically, they're not. The, the, I think the two of them are seinen, right? Because it's it's a uh, Hell's Paradise, which I don't know. That's that's not really a shonen. Uh, then also uh, Chainsaw. All Man. three of them. Well, well, Hell's Paradise and Jujutsu Kaisen were both in Shonen Jump, so technically they both. They, yeah, they shonen. are. 
but, but would you they, they are they are. subject matter wise no yeah, like no. So, not so shown in like, the slightest no. aot is shown into at that point uh i don't think aot was in shonen jump was it no well, it was not was. it was a different yeah it was not in shonen jump at all i mean let me check it's not yeah it is not Interesting, but, but but here's the thing though. That's where it gets kind of a little murkier because obviously Aaron Yeager and them back in the day were teenagers. They weren't in high school, but they were teenagers. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just how it is. As far as easier to mark, wish they were in high school. Yeah, it'll be easier. Um, <laughs> what's funny about that though too is how it's it's antithetical to how oftentimes things are for like American audiences or Western audiences. Like oftentimes, yeah, I know for a kid, the heroes we saw they're always like grown adults that were you know meant to be more. Uh, virtuous, like uh, even the G.I. Joe or whatnot, or Transformers, they were grown uh, adults in some capacity doing things. And it's meant to be, you meant to aspire, like, like Dev just said, you meant to aspire to be like this person as opposed to this, as, a, as opposed to directly relating to where they are now, so to speak. All right. So to, to redirect back, I guess, to the main topic in regards to hero specifically, um, give me, because because we're, we're, I'll go, we're, we're pretty much writers here, essentially. Some of us more accredited than others. Um, could you both kind of give me how you would personally use the hero trope to your vengeance if you had to write a story that involved a hero? Would you go the more traditional route or do you tend to like want to try to go to push the boundaries as far as you can as far as what's considered a hero in that trope? Because we've seen it all at this point. I mean, when it comes to my approach to storytelling, uh, I, I like to show heroes, like the, the hero trope in direct, contrast to anti-heroes and and villains like i i i kind of like to make them very clear what they are uh I, 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 we can kind of uh, test this with a uh, like briarlands I, I intentionally set it up so they were you know three uh, very distinct factions of uh of people that are morally the align to whatever they are, whether they're a hero, anti-hero, or a full-on villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just make it so that they have to collectively come to decisions from that approach of what that trope is, if that makes any sense. So that, you know, because uh, uh, I, I don't want to throw any spoilers to what's coming to uh, the, the, the series itself. But I mean... No, it's a, it's a, a, a crossroads where a, a character has wronged uh, like all three: the the villain, the the antihero, and the the hero. The the antihero and the the villain. Like you know, well, let's take this guy out. The hero is going to say like, no, we can't do this because X, Y, and Z. And I like to kind of force a conflict between those moralities to make it very mm-hmm. apparent. But I mean, the, the I can't necessarily say. That's anything special. I think I've seen it other places too. But uh, right. what do you what do you think? I agree. I agree. Especially even using that example of Brian. I don't get into spoilers, obviously, but that was something I was aware of when I was when based off what you and Stan come up with the story, and then the way I once I started writing it, fleshing it out more, it was still what I call. I don't know if it's actually officially called this. Uh, you guys can, can can crucify me if I'm wrong, but I call the shonen trio, which is where you have essentially is two males and a, and a female. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's that's a, a that is a trope that has been used. I won't say it's a cliche. I'll say it's a trope that's been used several times everywhere from Naruto to Chainsaw Man to obviously JJK, where you have that 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 same uh, kind of alignment, and you play with what the actual characters' personalities are within that, or their character alignment within that. Uh, so, with when it comes to Briarlands, for example, again, again, the spoilers. They where they fall on morality scale is a little bit different, or where they start from is a little bit different. But once they get together, you kind of see them all kind of falling into that place again. 
essentially. There are there are two males. There's a woman that that, that involved. They had to work together regardless when they want to do it, and that and, and all kinds of you know shenanigans ensue, so so to speak. Um, mm. It is a tried and true method. Tried and true method that works pretty well. It's, it's not always effective, but it uh, you know Star Wars the the sequels for example. But it, it it can be highly effective if done right. I think. Um, another thing that I'm sure you, you guys have you guys have both read uh, one of my stories, Slade and Ash. I did the same thing there, where I had the very much the it was very, it started off very much as a bromance kind of a, a buddy cop situation, and then the third the female character was introduced there, and it was meant to be very much again the kind of shown in trio, and it, it played out that way. It's uh, it's a formula that for, that for whatever reason it just tends to work. Now there are people who pe- there are plenty of folks who have said that it's kind of an antiquated system because you have you always had to have two males and one woman. I get that entirely, and I've seen other systems before where they have two women and a guy, and that's perfectly fine too, or just or just or just three women all together, whatever it might be. But for whatever reason, trios where they have two very different personalities tend to work really really well. This is what it is. Okay, um, I know for me on my end, I, I agree with your guys's um, preferences as well. But I think for me, I'm. In regards to how I write characters or even how I, how I think about characters, I tend to really enjoy the emotional, psycho- psychological, and sociological aspect of them. So kind of breaking down what the pros and cons are of their lifestyle. So with the heroes, like somebody like All Might, I think would be a really great example of something that I enjoy in regards to this is the picture-perfect, aesthetically pleasing hero character um, but when you look at his responsibilities and the toll being this type of person has had on him physically, emotionally, um, and I think his condition in that anime is a great uh, representation of like him being broken down and just losing himself or losing who he once was to having to be this thing consistently for a long period of time. Um, Batman is another great example of that, of where there's dark sides to being that hero and the hyper fixation on not killing when at some point you could argue that they may have been the best thing to do with characters like the Joker committing genocide in some instances of the DC comics. Um, but showing showing that duality of a trope to me is something that's great because it provides for a lot of different ways you can take it from not only that own character's perspective, but if you're introducing like side characters that represent the different parts of what makes that thing difficult. So rather it be the Joker committing murder or characters like a Catwoman coming in to be in uh, anti-hero more so tipping that line and kind of like kind of luring Batman into being a part of that um, and showing all these different aspects of that thing. I think there's it's just so much you can do with that. Um, and I yeah. love just I love I love going down that path and and, and picking yeah. at that. I, I agree. It's that's where it gets. I, here's one thing too um, is that you have to acknowledge how you. I think you need to understand the fundamentals before you're able to kind of go against them or break them, so to speak. So a really good example of having essentially, we all love ourselves some Hunter x Hunter. Uh, Hunter x Hunter, clearly the, the writer, uh, really, really cut his teeth. I forgot his name. What, what's his name again? The creator, writer of uh, the manga King that did on this kind of uh, Togashi? So it's Togashi. It's, uh, he, some, I don't want to say it's Hideo Togashi, but that sounds wrong. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll barbecue us for saying this not in the wrong way. I right. believe it's Takashi. I'm saying I believe it's Takashi. But uh, the writer creator of Yu Yu Hakusho and Hunter x Hunter, he clearly really honed his craft on Yu Hakusho. Yeah, so when Yo, Shiro Togashi, I'm sorry. Yo, Shiro Togashi. Togashi. So when Togashi did, he honed his craft and storytelling on Yu Yu Hakusho. So when he wrote Hunter x Hunter, he was able to subvert a lot of expectations and subvert a lot of tropes 
and cliches with Hunter x Hunter. So for example, you see uh, Gon and Killua, especially in the manga where they look, they, if you look at them, they look like they're meant to be the exact opposite of each other. One has a tall black spiky hair. One has like laid down white hair and it's very kind of sloshed and, and casual calm. One's all bright eyed and bushy tailed. And the thing is, what's funny about that is they actually are not the rivals. This is not the Goku and the, and the Vegeta. This is the, they're the best friends from the jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's clearly a subversion and that everything that uh, Tagashi does with Hunter x Hunter is meant to be the subversion. The actual tournament arc he does is very much as far as like, as opposed to you lose once you're out, it's, it's, it's you get to fight about as long as you want in this tournament until you win. And as long as you win, eventually you get to pass, pass in, the, in this test, for example. So it's, I think, a big step to with tropes is if you understand how they're supposed to be utilized properly, then you can have fun going against them or bucking the trend with those. I think that's what anti-heroes are in general. I believe that, that anti-heroes are the answer to heroes. I know that everyone's a fan, a fan of Deadpool, but Deadpool was definitely a direct response to all the golden boys in Marvel Comics back in the day. So let's, uh, not, so let's not get too far into because we're going to do like a whole episode right after this with the anti-heroes. Okay. I don't want yeah. to burn the clip on anti-heroes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but I think, do you guys have any like cloaks? We're pretty much at time that we usually go to, but before we close out, do you guys have any other like sentiments or points you want to expound upon in regards to the hero trope itself? No, I mean, it's it's very easy to get lazy within the hero trope and just kind of make your, your, your guy stoic and, and just righteous. Don't do that. Make make them a person. That's, that's uh, the last thing I'll say on that. Professor, yeah, I completely agree. It's yeah, but what Otis said, make them a fully fledged character. You can definitely have a hero or a protagonist. Uh, I but I think the thing is that back in the day, of course, people didn't want to make them fully fleshed out or fully well rounded characters. They were afraid to give the characters a quote unquote a flaw, which is where they actually have some kind of a uh, something about them that makes them imperfect. And I think that's the most to make them relatable. That's the most essential ingredient in that is giving them something that is that, that makes them kind of you know human making them not perfect in some way. So, so yeah, they definitely make your characters, flesh them out, uh, don't make them just one note. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, this has been Captain Diesel, Lucy, King of the Comics, Ethan Murphy, and you... You're listening to the Then and Now podcast. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.